Hey, welcome to the Default Alive podcast. I'm Corey. And I'm Chris. And this is our audio documentary of our journeys building profitable internet businesses. And so if this is your first time listening, you can learn more about us and get up to speed by starting at episode number one. But if you're a regular, welcome back. All right, Chris, how you doing? All right, I'm doing well. How are you doing? Oh, doing good. It's, um, <laughs> I don't know how to describe like the feelings. It's like, am I scared? Am I excited? Am I, should I be nervous? You know, it's like this whole, this whole new kind of flood of emotions. Um, but overall super excited and, and happy. And, uh, yeah, I mean the, the, my, my big update for today. And the reason why I'm doing good is because, uh, last Friday was my last day at bare metrics. And today is my for, first day as a full-time creator. Um, it's probably the best word for it, but, uh, yeah, so it's kind of the start of a new chapter. I mean, it's, it's amazing. Congrats. And could not have worked out better <laughs> for this podcast. Yes. We, we did not plan that at all. Um, no, but no, it's just really how the, the timing worked out. Yeah. Yeah, it, it it really is. I mean, I think the timing overall with everything has just worked out pretty perfectly. Um, you know, the split with Rare Metrics was good. The timing was good. Um, with, with this podcast, with everything we're working on, um, the only thing that still has me like a little bit wary is like, hmm, it's still a pandemic going on in the world. Like, <laughs> it's just yeah. the best time to be doing. But I mean, I think that's just, it's, it's part of the game. We just you know, these are the rules you, you play it this way. And, um, I don't know if it really changes that much anyways. I think we're, we're definitely, uh, blessed that we're, you know, knowledge workers. We get to do everything online on a computer and not dependent on anything sort of retail related, but yeah. Right. We're, we're definitely fortunate in that regard. And I mean, just seeing you, I think maybe an hour ago you posted, you announced this on Twitter and I was just watching the the thread, the number of comments coming in. People are, are really rooting <laughs> for you. And uh, I think that should give you a lot of confidence as well. Yeah. Yeah, I, I really, I, I didn't expect uh, for that many people to be so supportive, um, which is really cool to see and, and is awesome. I think that's been, yeah, I mean, it has me thinking now. I, I really hadn't thought about it uh, before a couple days ago, but I was like, yeah, I can see why people would want to join, you know, a community or like some sort of mastermind or group of people all doing the same thing because you kind of just want to like link arms and like have someone else to like, you know, do it with a little bit. Um, I was, I was curious actually, I was like, wait, I, I don't know if I like now I, I really have a lot more empathy, but like, what, what were your thoughts when you first went on full-time on JetBoost and because that was back in March and that was literally when the pandemic started, but like how, and you kind of transitioned a little bit more, but what was that like for you? Yeah, uh, definitely interesting timing with the pandemic, uh, not only for JetBoost, but I also got married in March. So right. <laughs> uh, my, my wife and I, we were able to elope like right before everything got shut down. Uh, we'd always planned to elope. So we were lucky in, in that regard that we didn't have to you know, deal with a bunch of people trying to travel and, and figure all that out. Um, but yeah, the the first day that I went full time on JetBoost, uh, and I've been planning to do so since I told my uh, main client back in February, about a month before, uh, first day that I went full time on JetBoost was the, the first day that the stock market tanked from the pandemic news. <laughs> it's like that Monday. And I was like, all right, well, I, I planned on um, trying to build this thing and and hopefully not run out of savings. So I guess here we go. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. Yeah. But the, the part that you mentioned, having the community, that to me has been not even just with JetBoost, but uh, consulting uh, when I started that in uh, the end of 2018 and uh, building other products as well, having... For me, the the San Diego Indie Hackers community has been just pivotal. Um, you know, yourself and Corey Gwynn, uh, having people like that, and, the, and obviously the others in the group as well, 
having people like that alongside you and who have gone through similar things and you can, uh, you know, who can relate to your struggles and relate to your successes. Uh, that for me, I wouldn't have gotten started at all without that probably. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if I would have either. Um, I think having, you know, there's kind of like the, uh, all the talk about like, well, build an audience and, um, you know, like start marketing. But like, I think even like before that, or maybe even like just as an aside, more important than that is just having people that you can rely on and community and I don't know, just like friends. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I think honestly, one of the, one of the big things for me too, is, uh, one of my other really good friends, uh, Jeremy, um, he went full-time, he actually, he bought a business and that was kind of his foray into entrepreneurship, but he bought a business, uh, two years ago. And again, I had like kind of no, I was like, oh, you're fine. Like I'll figure it out. But like now I have so much more empathy for what he was probably thinking and going through and, uh, but having him, you know, kind of being able to watch him too. Like, I think just having close people by where you can see what they're doing and know that you're not crazy, but also maybe know that you're on the right path is, you know, I, I literally could not imagine doing it kind of under a rock, you know, with no one else involved, no one else knowing, or just kind of being lonely. It's, uh, not the path I would recommend anyone go down. Yeah, to totally agree. And it's, if you see if a bunch of your friends are starting podcasts or starting businesses or have blogs, you just naturally think, well, you know, I know this person and I feel like they're not that much different from me. Like, why don't I, I, I could start one of those. <laughs> right. They're nothing special. I can do it. <laughs> yeah. That, that also was one of the things. Um, so I wrote this little blog post um, called making the leap, just trying to like kind of, brain dump and explain everything that was going on through my mind. And that's one of the things, honestly, that's been really, I, I think like a, like a motivating factor a bit is like you spend so many years listening to podcasts and following people on Twitter and hearing, you know, the announcements, the good news, the revenue milestones, and the longer you're in it, like the more like normal it gets, it's kind of like this kind of osmosis effect where it just becomes like more and more like normal and, and acceptable and, uh, and like realistic, you can imagine it. It also gives you a little bit of FOMO too. Like, well, if they can do it and you, you get to know them and you realize like, well, they're nothing, they're just like me. And like they were where I was, you know, three years ago or whatever it was, why, why couldn't it be me? And like, especially if you want to do it, then it just feels like every day that you're not doing that thing feels like almost like a waste of time a little bit. Um, and yeah, so, I mean, that's been like one of the big things. It's like just watching other people and, uh, <laughs> trying to, trying to get in the game, put me in coach. Yeah. Yeah. That FOMO can be tough. And I think, especially when you're reading, you know, hacker news, indie hackers, Twitter, you're, you're mm -hmm. only seeing these small slices of people's journeys. You're mostly seeing the highlights. Uh, and right. so when you're, when you're consuming all of that and it's coming in from different people, it's so easy to feel like you're missing out or you're not, you know, achieving the level of success that they're having. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, again, I have like the, the love hate relationship with, um, the any hackers milestones <laughs> because I love them. They're super fun to watch, but mm -hmm. also I'm like, gosh, dang it. I want that to be me or like. <laughs> wow, like how did they get there so fast? Or, you know, again, it's the highlight reel. It's the, yeah. it's the entrepreneur Instagram reel, essentially. Um, but yeah, I mean, overall, I'm, I'm feeling good about it. I've got a lot to figure out this week. I'm trying to just treat this week as like, all right, get settled, like check off the to-do list things, um, figure out like a good kind of, I don't know, schedule. Like mm -hmm. I was, I was already really kind of, autonomous and um you know we had really like an asynchronous communication culture at bare metrics so it's not completely different but it's very different i think uh just the setting of like you know well i don't have anyone else to answer to and i get to choose what to work on and also but it's up to me to manage like i don't have these kind of external factors about oh i need to get this done before this so that this person can have it or because 
here's this deadline that we set or because of just pure, you know, obligation of having a job, like you just work naturally, right? Well, I need to do something and be productive. I'm like, well, I've, I definitely feel a lot of pressure now because obviously I need to get to default alive. I need to, you know, get the revenue up and be able to replace, you know, the light consulting and other kind of revenue streams I have right now. But it's, it's different. I don't know. It's hard to explain. Yeah. Do you feel, I remember when I left my full-time job to go into consulting, the very first week for me, everything felt really quiet. Maybe that's because <laughs> we were, we were so highly dependent on Slack. Like we did not have <laughs> asynchronous communication. So it was like, I had to get on Slack. I was, uh, I was actually the only remote employee at that company. And so I was oh, getting hit up all the time, uh, with messages and, getting on, you know, calls with people. Uh, so that first week I was like, wow, I'm, I'm, I don't have to be signed into Slack. Like I, it was just very quiet for me. I don't know if you've. Yeah. Yeah. I hadn't really thought about that, but now realizing it, like I, like usually the first thing I do is I'll open up notion and Slack, you know, Slack to check in on what's already been happening because I was like the last one to log in. Essentially everyone else was ahead of me on the time zones. Um, and I like, you know, scrolled over to that window on my, on my computer and then like stopped myself from like opening it. I was like, wait, I don't need to open this. <laughs> so yeah, it'll definitely, um, I'll have to check back in next week on what that's like, because I hadn't really thought about it, but I could definitely see how it could feel. It could feel quiet for sure. Yeah. No, I think you're going about it in the right way though, which is mainly figuring out your schedule and how you're going to work and operate and get things done. And, uh, yeah, that's, that's a pretty good first week right there. Yeah. Yeah. I'm also trying to like manage my expectations a little bit too, because again, feeling like all the nerves and just feeling excited. I, I want to like, you know, just knock out a bunch of projects and <laughs> to do lists and like, just go crazy. But at the same time, like, all right, I got to play, play the long game here and like, don't rush into it and then just kind of flail around, you know, like have some intention behind it and have like a strategy. Don't just, you know, kind of default into workaholism and or just doing things randomly, you know, like have a plan. So I'm like, all right, let's plan out every day and let's figure out certain things. I don't have a plan yet, but my plan is to make a plan. That's the, uh, I guess that's the to-do or that's the plan for this week. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> cool, man. Well, what's new with you? Yeah. And, uh, another interesting timing wise event. Uh, so last, let's see, Saturday, two days ago from, from this recording was officially one year since I started working on JetBoost. Oh, that's right. That's crazy. Congrats, yeah. <laughs> Thanks, man. Yeah, it was uh, it was funny. I, I knew I had started it in September. And so I went back through like my Twitter timeline because I, I, I knew I tweeted about it. And I was like, I, I feel like that day's got to be coming up pretty soon. Mm -hmm. uh, and it just turned out to be uh, September 12th. And then after I tweeted that, I, I thought, well, maybe I started working on the code before I actually tweeted that I was working on a Webflow thing. Uh, and then I, I had to go look through the code history and I actually did not start working on the code before announcing it, which is, uh, for a developer wow. like myself. Is, yeah. <laughs> That's Very, a big one. Very nice. Yeah. Finally, uh, got started getting out of the habit of just being heads down, writing code without telling people <laughs> what you're doing. So That's awesome. Now, but that, that was after you had sort of built like the super rough prototype for Hey Marketers, right? Yeah. So Hey Marketers was the kind of totally separate JavaScript that I wrote yeah. for your site. And then even a couple months later, I think I did one or two more sites, um, which were all a little bit different, but, uh, yeah, as far as writing actual code for JetBoost, uh, it wasn't until September. Yeah. Like the actual product itself. That's yeah. awesome, man. That's crazy. One year. I hadn't really, yeah. Um, I didn't really realize it, it had been 
that long. It would like surprise me when I saw the tweet and when, when I was just like, whoa, wait, what the heck? And then I like was trying to think about it. I was like, oh yeah, I guess that makes sense. Cause you, I think you, re- you know, you reached out in like July. It was just like a couple months after I created Hey Marketers and, uh, I don't, I don't actually know the first time that we talked about you building or like productizing it though. It must've been even after that. Yeah. I I'm honestly not exactly sure either. It was, it was one of those things where I was working on other products. I was building this product called Aspirey and, uh, I was pretty heads down with that in June, July, August. Mm. Um, I think it launched end of July or beginning of August. Uh, and only once that launch kind of didn't really go anywhere, did I start turning my gaze towards, uh, you know, all these people in the, the Webflow community that you kept sending to me. Uh, <laughs> so I think it was pretty quick. I want to say probably it was like two weeks beginning of September where I started diving yeah. deeper into Webflow and seeing like, could I really using their APIs and functionality, could I build a product out of this? Hmm. Did, did you have like a, a list that you're working off of? Like, all right, you know, next thing, let's like go down the list and just start looking in and exploring at different ideas or was, did you already have kind of this idea top of mind? I, I did have a list of, uh, yeah, certain ideas and whatnot, but the, I mean, this one jumped to the top of the list because you were actively sending me people that, that wanted it. <laughs> <laughs> which was quite different from any other idea that I had. Uh, so yeah, I really just started then looking into, I don't know, places like the Webflow forums and uh, on Twitter and other uh, Webflow communities to see if there were even more people talking about this and uh, asking about it and running into this these similar issues. So hmm. um yeah. And then, uh, so let's see, after the, uh, the Twitter announcement, I got to work on the landing page, put up a landing page with email capture and people started signing up for it. Um, I think I ended up with around 120 emails and it was enough to get me going and give me confidence in, in actually building the product. Wow. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah, I hadn't really realized, uh, again, it, it had been that long and I guess it was sort of fuzzy on like the details of, actually, of how you actually started, but that's so cool. I mean, crazy to, I mean, one year, I mean, you've come a long way in, in just a year and especially even just from when you went full-time in, in March. Yeah, it's funny. In some ways, it feels like that year has totally flown by. Like you were saying, it feels like it just started working on JetBoost, you know, <laughs> only a couple months ago. Uh, and in other ways, it feels like it's been like five years just with how (laughs) much, (laughs) how much learning, uh, has been packed into this year, how much stress in some cases, uh, and just, yeah, trying to figure everything out. It's, it's been, Mm. it's been incredible. And, you know, in my tweet, I I mentioned like, it's, I'm just really grateful for everyone who has supported and, uh, tried it out and, uh, it's, it's what's kept me going the whole time. Even, you know, we talked near the end of last week and it was a bit of a rough week for me, but, um, just focusing on, on everyone who's, who's using it and getting value out of it is, is what keeps me going. Hmm. Yeah. The no code community really is like super, super supportive. It's, it, I mean, it's a great community to plug into. I think you've just fallen into an amazing little little kind of space, you know, your little, your little, your little niche. Um, but tell me about last week, we, we had mentioned, uh, it would make for some good conversation, but I'm interested to hear, was that Thursday that was the crazy day or was it Friday? Uh, it was basically Tuesday through Friday. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, JetBoost has grown to the point where, I mean, there's, there's thousands of people that have tried it. There's a few hundred who are paying for it. And the, the level of support that is required, particularly when someone's first getting set up, uh, is, is, can be fairly high. 
So, you know, people reach out if, if they try to set up the filters and it's not working or the search or uh, any of the JetBoost add-ons. And I've, you know, I've got chat support on there, email support, and I'm fielding questions sometimes all day long. And this past week, for whatever reason, was just, you know, back-to-back-to-back issues. Uh, and, and a lot of it is because you know, Webflow doesn't have an official plugin system. So you have to kind of flip back and forth between the Webflow setup and the JetBoost setup. And mm. I do my best to, you know, provide solid instructions, uh, with video, with text, copy paste. Uh, but still, if you don't have everything in the right spot, uh, there are things that can happen and it just won't work correctly. And so, mm. um, yeah, last week was very heavy on the support side, and um, it, it was difficult. I, I'm working on uh, building a new add-on right now, and basically didn't do that at all last week. It was almost uh, dealing with support issues from uh, morning until evening, and uh, yeah, I, I struggled with that. And you mentioned earlier having community and, and other founders that have gone through similar things. Uh, Earnest Capital has been a big part of that for me. So I took some investment from them back in May. And a big reason for that was to not feel like I was going it alone anymore, uh, to have the, the investors, um, Tyler, who runs it, has previously built and sold his own SaaS company. Um, and there's a, there's a great group of founders in there as well. And so I was talking to a couple of them last week about support issues, you know, maybe making your, your first hire, uh, a part-time or full-time support person. And, uh, I talked to Riley Chase, who, uh, is one of the founders and he, he said it perfectly. He said, uh, right around where you're at now, I felt like a total failure having managed to create a job for myself that mm. paid less and demanded more of my time than any previous job I'd had before. <laughs> and I was like, that is exactly how I'm feeling. Yeah. You know, it's like to spend eight, 10, 12 hours a day, every day on this thing. And I love doing it, but to to kind of look out and realize, well, you know, I'm still making less than I'd be making if I just had a full-time job somewhere, put in my, my 40 hours and uh, that, that can be difficult. But I took some time, especially it, it worked out well with Saturday being, you know, the, the sort of year anniversary and it gave me a chance to slow down and hmm. reflect on things and, and realize that having a lot of people reach out to you with support issues is challenging at times, but it's also not a bad thing. It, it means people right. really want to get to use the product to get it working. And it's a good problem. Yeah. So I had to reverse my thinking a little bit there and, uh, you know, be grateful for the fact that people are using this and are finding it useful and they, you know, just want to, um, get the most out of the product that they can. Hmm. So what do you feel is the, the bottleneck? Cause as a JetBoost user, um, who set it up multiple times now, I felt like the first time it took a little, like I kind of had to go through it. Like I think twice before it kind of like clicked and then I didn't even have to go. I just kind of flew through the instructions and the setup. Uh, and then it, it really made sense. And I think that was even maybe before you made some of the more recent updates to make it even more clear. But even then I felt like this is pretty straightforward. So is it, um, I guess I'm trying to one, I'm wondering like, how would you classify the support issues going on? Is it like people are having trouble with the instructions, edge cases, uh, bugs? Um, they, there's some sort of, I don't know, uh, like they're not, technical enough to like do it themselves 
what, how would you, and I don't know this, it's probably like all the above, right. But like, how would you kind of split it out and, and define them? Yeah, I see them happening in three main buckets. Uh, the first one is, so when you're going through and setting up JetBoost, it has all these different checks to see if you've, you know, copied and pasted the classes into the right spot, the different code snippets into the right spots. But there are edge cases that it can't catch um, due to it can only look at sort of your final HTML that's that's output by Webflow. Um, so everything may look good from the JetBoost side, but you may have set up a search for a particular collection that you selected in JetBoost, but then you chose a totally different collection in Webflow for whatever reason. There's no way for JetBoost to detect something like that. But then when you go to your, so you go through the JetBoost setup, you see it says, you know, all green, you passed everything. And then you go to your Webflow page and it doesn't work. And you're like, what the heck? Um, so those are, those are the issues, things like that, that I commonly have to, you know, it's like a user error though. Right. I mean, yes, but it's. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a user error, but it's very hard for someone who's using JetBoost for the first time to know that. I mean, their thought is, mm. you know, this product doesn't work. Or um, <laughs> So that's something where that those always take a little bit of time for me to go in and diagnose. Uh, is this something that was done wrong on the Webflow side or the JetBoost side? Uh, the second one that's somewhat related is just people who are newer to Webflow. Um, so they may, hmm. they may have issues. Sometimes I'll, I'll get questions about layout issues, uh, or, uh, just not really understanding how to set up the collections in Webflow, uh, things like that, that are, uh, kind of more basic on the Webflow side, but are sort of required knowledge in order to start using JetBoost, um, fully. Hmm. And then the third one, which uh, is becoming more and more common, and these are ones that I can actually solve, are people wanting to do things that JetBoost doesn't quite support yet. So things like uh, limiting the search results or the filter results to maybe just the first 10, uh, selecting a, having a, a specific filter option that's selected by default when the page loads. And so for a lot of these, I've, I've actually written custom code for people, uh, that will do this because JetBoost has different, uh, hooks that I can actually plug into and write custom code for, uh, so I have these snippets saved and those are pretty easy to solve. Cause I just say, you know, here's this code snippet, here's where you add it. And, um, you know, it's pretty much open and shut, but I haven't built those features into the product yet. And once those are built into the product, then that's going to remove uh, a whole class of, of questions that I get. Hmm. Interesting. Okay. And, and those are the big three for you. So what's actually taking you the most time? Is it answering through email? Are you creating loom videos? Are you, uh, I don't know, sending docs or writing up new docs? Uh, like what's actually taking like the majority of your time? Yeah, it's really that that first bucket of figuring out why a, a particular JetBoost add-on isn't working on their site. And mm. so a lot of times this will start with me just going to their site, opening the Chrome inspector tool so I can look at the HTML and uh, try to see what's going on there. And in some cases, I can solve it pretty quickly from that. But other times, I might need them to send me uh, like their Webflow project read-only link, so I can go and look at how they have the collection set up, how they have the mm. field set up. Right. Um, those tend to be they they can be one-off, where like each one is a little bit different, uh, different investigation. But you know, part of the issue is I have done a poor job of. Uh, coming up with a set of standard procedures. And this is something I'm working on based on uh, the conversation I had with Riley last week, which is, hmm. you know, a lot of times the the issues end up being similar after I investigate into, uh, into what's going on. And uh, 
right now it would be really hard for me to, well, one, it's hard for myself because I'm almost doing it from scratch every time. And two, it would be really hard to hire someone and train them uh, because I don't have those standard procedures or, uh, right. you know, if the, if the person's reporting this is happening, here's the three likely causes, like go look at these three things. Uh, mm -hmm. I don't have that right now. And that's part of the, uh, the challenge that I'm having with support. I mean, if you only have 10, 20, 50 customers, you can operate that way, but, um, starting to hit that point with JetBoost where, uh, things are bursting at the seams a little bit there. The, the other interesting part is that, would you say that most of the issues coming in or support you have to do is with trialing users or with customers who have already upgraded? Yeah, I do a very bad job of looking at that. Um, my thought in the early days, which is maybe uh, not as relevant now, but uh, was like, if somebody's trying it out and they're trying to get it set up and they reach out to me, you know, and they're not able to, like the only way that they're going to end up converting is if they're actually able to successfully set up JetBoost. So it clearly benefits me to help them get through that process. Uh, so, you know, whether there's someone who is paying or not right now, I typically don't really look at that. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, I only wonder just because depending on that, that would, yeah, that would, I mean, that would kind of tell you like, well, is this something that's going to positively affect growth and get new customers? But also like, is this sort of a, a one-time investment of, of time? And then, you know, mostly JetBoost has set it and forget it, you know, essentially, unless someone is really coming in and creating, you know, the next time they create a new filter or a new search or a new page or, you know, or create a new site even, right? Um, but for the most part, like, you know, once you set up the actual booster, then uh, then it's done, right? The work there is is done, which means it's it's very it's a it's a crunched kind of time window, right? So like someone's like so you're kind of like racing against the clock, and you have all these people reaching out. You're like, okay, frick, well these are all people that could convert into customers. If only I could, you know, support them and get them activated in the product. Uh, that's interesting. I'm actually I'm actually surprised that you would categorize them in those three buckets because I sort of expected more to be like, I guess maybe what you would classify as like a bug or uh, like a jet boost error or even like a web flow issue, you know, like something going on there where like, you know, you're kind of doing support for web flow, but it sounds like most of it is pretty standard. Like you can go through a checklist, uh, you could, you could kind of like outsource it to someone with, with pretty like minimal knowledge. Um, it's interesting though. I, I think it was Michelle Hansen shout out to, uh, the software social podcast again, but, um, it was one of the, the recent episodes where I believe she was talking about Geocodio and cause it's just her and her husband still. And they were, she was talking about how, when they have support issues and when they, basically, you know, have something that's like sucking up a lot of their time before they try to hire out and like outsource it. They try to automate it or eliminate it or basically um, like give the user all the information, docs, checklists, UI components that they would need to prevent it or figure it out themselves. Um, and I don't know like what the right balance is there because I think to a certain degree there's the human element is good and also like not everything is just going to be solved or be able to be solved on, you know, by, if someone's just by themselves, kind of figure it out. But I guess like from like a process standpoint, I, I do kind of like the idea of like, okay, let's start within the product. Is there something here within the UI, within the setup, within the way that it checks things or, uh, you know, that could kind of eliminate some of these issues or automate it or help someone figure it out. If not, like, what are the, like you said, the, the docs or the SOPs or um, the checklists that a user could use themselves to kind of troubleshoot 
And then from there, like what are the things that I can do to either hire it out or make it quicker or automate it um, to support these users, you know, one by one. Um, but yeah, I, I yeah, feel like I, it's not, it's not that daunting. I mean, yeah, I don't know. I, I sort of expect it to be worse maybe, which, <laughs> which is good. <laughs> no. Yeah. I, I agree with that. Uh, so I've, I tend to do it in batches where, uh, the support starts to build up a lot like it has been lately. And then I'll go through and like you said, try to either clarify instructions that people are getting stuck on or, um, building in more checks into the product, or uh, like you said, Michelle mentioned, just giving the user more feedback, more information uh, so that they can solve it themselves. And I really haven't done that recently enough. Um, so I think probably the last big one was maybe, uh, maybe all the way back in February or March where there was, you know, a bunch of support issues were starting to pile up and there was enough common ones where I could go and solve those with the product. Uh, I just haven't uh, yeah. done that recently enough. Uh, July was heavily focused on the favoriting booster. And then um, August was more on the marketing side. And now I'm trying to get the, the latest booster out. And I'm like, all right, once I get this done, I'm going back, I'm focusing <laughs> on you know, the, the product side, as far as trying to reduce the support level, uh, exactly mm -hmm. as you described. Yeah. Yeah. One of the things we started doing at bare metrics that I always found really insightful, not even doing support, but just kind of reading the reviews and looking at it was tagging each conversation, um, and having like a real, like kind of structured nomenclature for how you tag things. And then you can go back and see like, okay, well, this is a, you know, and the, maybe it's one of those three buckets, right? And then there's an additional kind of like level or, or another tag or, you know, a dash or something that kind of describes what it is or, uh, you know, kind of a second level descriptor essentially of, of what it is. Um, and you do that over time, you, you could even, you know, go back and do that a little bit to kind of like see, that would take a lot of time, but to kind of see the patterns and then like I said, you can batch and or you can use that for whatever you build or whatever you write or whatever you hand off to someone else in the future. Because um, it supports one of those things where within my limited experience, uh, like when you're in it, it just feels like it's random and you, there's like no patterns and you're just kind of like trying to answer things as quickly as you can and, and go through it. But when yeah. you, if you took a step back and you looked at the week or even like the day and what you, you would see tons of patterns and you would see tons of like, oh, interesting. Or what if we did this? Or what if we did that? So yeah, but definitely a, a good problem to have. <laughs> Hopefully it's a, well, where, which way you lean? Like what, is there like a, a thing you're doing next? As far as the product? Yeah. Or even like, how are you thinking about it? Like, are, are you going to start with the product? Or are you going to start with more like standard, you know, procedures or, or documentation, or are you going to, are you just going to, are you thinking about hiring someone soon part-time or, or full-time, you know, who could be able to do it? Yeah, I think, uh, I think I want to do one more round of product fixes. Uh, there, I mean, there's a, there's a few issues that come to the top of mind. Uh, even without me being very great at <laughs> systematically categorizing things. I mean, there's a few that I know, like I get asked this all the time. Uh, I could probably build a, at least handle it better in, inside of the product and should be able to squash a lot of those. So I want to start with that. And then if, you know, if JetBoost continues to grow and there just continue to be issues because that's the nature of of SaaS business, then, uh, I probably would look at, uh, hiring a support person. Mm -hmm. yeah. 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 I think that makes a lot of sense. I, I had another thought too, just before I forget, but, um, I don't know how people feel about it, but I personally really like the kind of like catch all 
help doc that's like, all right, here are like all the common errors. And then you can like, I was thinking, actually, I, I hadn't really looked at it, but wh what do you have your um, your knowledge base built in? Because I was thinking, I was like, oh, you could even use JetBoost to search and filter, you know, for certain questions or issues or things like that. But I always like the, the catch-all because I can just read through and just see like, all right, before I reach out, am I doing any of these like common things? And, and, and then, you know, there's always links to like, okay, well, if you have this issue, here's a couple docs that could help you with that or, or with this, but you know, probably one of the first ones where I could be like, do you have the right collection list selected? Um, you know, are you in the right project? Uh, is it one of these things you're trying to do? You know, these are not supported yet by JetBoost, you know, coming soon or mm. things like that. Right. Where then you can just like, all right, please look through this first. And then if it's, you still have issues or it's not one of these, then, you know, let's talk. Yeah. So right now I have an FAQ section built into the product. Um, it's, it's probably not exposed enough. Uh, you can get there through the main menu, or if you're actually in there working on a specific booster, there's like a help link. Uh, mm. But it's not, I mean, I've seen some that are built into like the chat widget. So that's kind of like your first level of uh, help. I don't know if maybe that's a, a better solution. Yeah. And yeah. And keeping that up to date is also a challenge. Like you said, a, a lot of the mm. things that people ask, I probably could put in the, the FAQ and I just haven't yet. Yeah. Even if it's like repetitive or if it's kind of a duplicate, like just having it in another place where someone can discover it. It's interesting. That's I, really I, good point. I had forgot about it. I, I, I was supposed to write it down, but I'm glad I remembered it. Uh, another podcast to start up to last with, um, uh, with those guys over there. Um, he would, they were just talking about how they wanted to, they were looking at like new, I don't know, help doc solutions and or chat solutions. And they were talking about how they, they didn't want it to just be like a chat beacon, but they also didn't want it there to be nothing. And it's just to, you know, link out to a help doc or like, you know, send an email here because then it's just not like a super good experience. Actually, I was thinking, I really like the way that member stack does things. Um, if you haven't seen it, they have like, it, it's not even like on the right side where most of the kind of the chat widgets are, it's on the left side built into kind of like the navigation of the app. And when you click it, like it's kind of like this big list and it's like, you know, knowledge base forum community, frequently asked questions, hire an expert, you know, and then the very bottom one is like chat or is like send an email or like, uh, uh, send a, a, uh, a bug, whatever it is, whatever it's called, right? Like just like send, send, notify them that there's an issue. And then the very last one is, is chat with us. Um, and I, I do like that approach kind of trying to default to self-serve. And then if someone can't, then the chat, uh, again, I think the chat is good. It's important. It's definitely a lever you can pull, but like maybe that's not the thing you focus on right now. And you kind of shift that a little bit, at least for a while. Yeah, I think, well, one, I definitely want to go check out what member stack has. Uh, but just in, in hearing you say that I, I'm sort of thinking how like support evolves over time as the product evolves. Uh, mm. So when I very, in the very beginning of JetBoost, I had like the chat widget on both the public facing site, the marketing site and inside of the app. And recently I changed that. So it's no longer on the public facing site. It's only inside That's of the right. app. Uh, because in the, in the very early days, it's like you want to be able to talk to as many people as possible. Uh, and as it starts to grow, it's like, okay, now the, the marketing site isn't necessarily getting, uh, relevant questions or it's just becoming more of a time waster. So let's move it to only people who have at least signed up and are trying it out. Uh, mm. but I do think, and I say this knowing that last summer, or I guess a, like a year ago, uh, member stack was going through their own growing issues with support 
and um, clearly they have evolved as well. So I think, you know, while certainly having people reach out and, and talking to them helps understand how people are using the product, where the gaps are uh, at some point, I think the more like, like support just has to become more self-serve. Yeah. You can't, you can't directly talk to anyone at Webflow. Uh, you have to go through their support system. They're just, they're too large. They have too many customers. So, uh, right. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's sort of a luxury to be able to hop on a call and, or, you know, send a loom video 10 minutes after someone chats him. <laughs> right. And, um, and know, I love providing that, that but... level. Yeah. yeah. So it's, it's trying to find the right balance of, you know, benefit for the customer without, uh, while still being able to, to build the product, make it better for everyone, uh, that's using it. And yeah. 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 But I, I do, I do think, um, probably eventually, I think it makes a lot of sense to at least hire someone part-time to kind of take that over regardless. Uh, so that it's kind of like out of sight, out of mind for you. You just get the reports, you know, you can focus on a much higher lever, higher leverage activities. Um, I don't feel like that would be a, a hard hire to make, honestly, especially because of the no code community and Webflow and like just, uh, there's so many people nowadays that are eager to have like something to do with no code and or Webflow. Um, but I think also because it's it's tied, like I said, if if most of the users chatting in for support are trialing users, and if you can provide like a really fantastic experience with someone who's just kind of like dedicated to that, even if it's just, you know, 20, 25 hours a week, and that kind of gets you through 90% of the support issues and you can just tackle the 10% that are can't be kind of done by them or a little bit more technical, technically difficult. I think that's, I mean, that's a, a great place to be in, you know, like, I think that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. It's funny because everyone's told me like, yeah, you, you could easily find someone for that position and <laughs> in, in my mind. And I know, uh, Riley Chase went through the same thing. It's like, I feel like, well, n nobody can do this, but me, like I need someone that mm -hmm. knows Webflow really well and knows JavaScript and HTML and can go in and like inspect things and figure out what's happening. And, uh, right. Like you said, for 90% of them, they can, they can follow a guide or uh, a video or, uh, yeah, I'm probably overestimating the, the challenge. <laughs> Even just the time I, I found I was doing support for barometrics for a while. Cause we were kind of like all pitching at the same time, but especially in the trialing users that took up you know, there were a lot of them. They're kind of like these flyby people and you want to make sure that you respond to them really quickly. And I had to say like, look, I can't do this anymore because it's just taking up so much time just to respond, like just to write it up. And even mm -hmm. with saved replies, even with sending them help docs, even with like waiting a little bit, it was just, and then you, you're always, you know, constantly checking in. Um, I feel like sooner, or I guess like, yeah, eventually probably fairly soon, that'd be like a really high leverage thing you can do for the business. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. And when we were, uh, we had the Indie Hackers meetup last week. Yeah, last week. Yeah. Uh, Michael Aubrey, who runs uh, storycreator.app. I mean, he said something to me that was just, it really made me stop and think, which was, you know, how much do you value your time at and mm. assuming you're valuing it appropriately, like spending your, your whole day doing support is probably, you could probably hire someone to do that and, um, get a pretty strong ROI on that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's time arbitrage, you know, you just, yeah, you're, you're trading dollars and hours to give back to yourself. Um, it's cool. Yeah. Well, I'm excited to see what you do in the next couple of weeks and if the support issues continue, which hopefully again, I don't know. It's, do I want them to, cause it's a good problem. Do I not want them to, <laughs> I don't know how to feel about it. Yeah. Yeah. So the only thing I have on, on my list is, uh, 
I still haven't done like a ton. So if I, last week was a little bit crazy with offboarding at Parametrics and, uh, mm-hmm. and just kind of wrapping up a couple of things. But um, I wanted to, I can't remember if I committed to, uh, if, I, if I said in the podcast I was going to, but I'm still, my plan is today, I'm going to switch everything to annual only for swipe files and uh, just kind of like get that out of the way, not worry about it, not think about it. Cause again, it's just like, every time I like promote it or talk about it, I'm like, please no one sign up for the monthly, please no one sign up for the lifetime. <laughs> so like, I just need to get that out of the way, stop thinking about it. One of, one of the other things I've been thinking about is, um, I wanna get your thoughts on it was, uh, I had the thought of, um, I think MakerPad does this, but basically doing like a monthly or uh, like a bi-weekly, basically like invite for for new members. So instead of it just being, hey, sign up anytime, there's kind of like these little windows or maybe like a more manual application process where someone goes through. But I was thinking, I was like, I don't I don't know if I need kind of a lever like that to pull. Um, I was just kind of thinking about it because of the relaunch with the courses and how well that went with kind of the open close model. Now I don't want to open open up swipe files every quarter. Um, maybe eventually, but I, I don't think that'd be smart for me right now. It'd just be kind of too little, too late, and doesn't really make a lot of sense. But I don't know. What, what do, you, do you think it makes sense to do some sort of like monthly invite system or application system or something? It's probably I don't know. So MakerPad, yeah, they do a great job of that. Uh, basically, having people come into MakerPad in batches. Uh, or in cohorts. And I think a big part of that is you need the community side. Uh, so it makes sense mm. to have 10 people join at the same time and uh, everyone can kind of welcome them all at the same time instead of having like, you know, one, two, three people join at different times every single day. Uh, mm. so, so I don't know if for swipe files right now, that makes as much sense, right. uh, you know, as a swipe files member, like I'm probably not, if I see 10 other people join right now, it doesn't really have any effect on me um, because there's not that community side yet. Right. Right. Yeah. It's very true. And yes, the, the community is kind of the other part. I had sort of had a false start a little bit with, um, just trying to figure out circle and the integration. And there was, I don't think it's an issue, but like I had this weird thing where, there was like, it was like double. So I, I kind of waited to invite the first uh, users in who were like the first kind of like batch is going to be the course customers to have like a kind of private space for them. Um, but my plan also is today to get those invites out, get that started. Again, I'm, I'm trying to, I realized, especially after talking last week that like, I'm probably overthinking this whole like launching community thing. And I just need to like get the ball rolling and, and start it. So Hopefully by the next time we talk, I will have members in a community and will be that ball will be rolling slowly. Yeah, I think obviously the the technical setup and figuring all that out, member stack and circle. Um, do you have any thoughts on like what the beginning of the actual community looks like? As far as if you start with the people who have bought courses. Any ideas? Yeah, I don't know. I, I think um, I've been trying to, I earlier I kind of laid out like, okay, this week I'm gonna invite these people. This next week I'm gonna invite these people. Next week, these people. Um, I think I might accelerate that a little bit. Um, my, my thinking was if I invite the course customers, it'll just be like a really small space. And then if I can get that ball rolling a little bit, then I can, essentially invite them into like the larger part of the community. And that will kind of be like an immediate boost of interaction and just people there. Um, I also want to invite, you know, close friends and like interesting people. Cause I think that's, that's part of it. Um, and then roll it out to current customers, current swipe file members, and basically do like a, a private launch, you know, like a not announced on Twitter or anything, but just, send it to the email list, notify everyone, 
and kind of make it a thing on the site. Um, and then maybe like the next week kind of announce it and send to the list as a whole, you know, everyone who's subscribed to the newsletter. Um, but yeah, that, those are my thoughts now, but it still feels a little bit fuzzy. I'm not exactly sure like the timing or if that's even the right approach. Yeah, I think that makes sense. I, I like the idea of seeding the community um, with, you know, like you said, interesting people kind of mixing in with the uh, course customers. Yeah, that's that seems to make sense. Um, do, do, do you have a sense for your current customer base as far as the courses, swipe files, do they tend to be other marketers or are they more like founders or what's kind of their profile? Yeah, my, my feeling is it's about 50, 50 and based on what I can see in right message, which kind of like surveys, uh, people on the site pretty close to, I think it's, it's maybe like 60, 40. Um, but it doesn't tell me like for actual customers themselves, um, actual members. But yeah. I think it's a bit of both. I don't know that that's, that is one of the other things I've been thinking about because I, the, the premise for the community right now is anyone who is committed to growing their audience, uh, doing better, honest marketing and like who really wants to learn from others and connect with others. So it's not really like, Hey, if, you know, this is for like in-house marketers of SaaS companies. Like mm -hmm. that was kind of like one of the, the core things of swipe falls. It's like to have a really like broad and diverse group of people, content and, and opinions. Um, so I like that it's, you know, oh, you could be a marketer or you could be an entrepreneur or a founder or however you want to classify yourself. Um, but I'm not sure if that would, if that has any like implications for the community, you know, like if it needs to, people need to be tagged a certain way, or if there's like certain spaces for certain types of people, or even if it's just the way that I kind of talk about it and position it, I need to use certain words or cater to one or the other. I don't know. Yeah, my thought was if if it leans more on the non-marketer or founder side, then maybe the community you're introducing things like uh, AMAs with uh, different market, you know, someone like Ryan Culp or um, right, you know. But if it's more, we're already in marketing and we just want to kind of share strategies and techniques and whatnot, then maybe that community looks a little bit different. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not exactly sure. I think that's, that's, I mean, one of the things I liked about, um, circle, one of the things I'm hoping to do is to also have some kind of like smaller, you know, niche groups of if you're in this industry or if you're this type of person kind of having those two split out. So like SaaS, e-commerce services, digital products, et cetera. And then like, you know, marketer, founder, entrepreneur, I don't know, like the different ways people might classify themselves, uh, you know, VPs or like individual contributor I wouldn't use those words to describe it. You know, there's also different levels uh, of people as well. So I'm hoping that I can kind of cater to all, but it's just the launch. That's a little bit like need to have enough momentum going at first. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. Well, nice. You've got, you've got a lot on your plate for first week. <laughs> Plenty to do. Yeah. Hoping yeah. to have more updates, uh, next week, but yeah, it's my, my to-do list is long. No, or, uh, I'm getting my, my money's worth with Rome and, uh, packing it and all sorts <laughs> of connections. So <laughs> nice. Well, I'm excited for you, man. I know how long you've been wanting to do this for, so it's super stoked for you. Thanks. Yep. Today is the first day of uh, this new journey. So appreciate it. I mean, I'm excited to get this podcast out. I mean, I'm hoping that we'll be able to launch it this week, but it might be next week. Um, just depending on how long Apple takes to get back to us. Um, but yeah, Any, anything else on your mind? No, I think that covers it for me. Cool. All right. Well, we gave a shout out to um, the software social 
podcast again, as well as Startup to Last. I also want to give a shout out to um, Build Your SaaS by Justin and John. I've been following those guys forever and love their story. I love what they do. Uh, so if you're looking for more Bootstrap podcasts like this one, definitely check out Startup to Last as well as Build Your SaaS. And um, we'll see you next week. All right. See you, Corey.